Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church. And we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today. Job tells us this story about this ancient Hebrew man. And I think it's absolutely essential that we read these scriptures out loud. Poetry and prose is intended to be heard, not just read silently. You can imagine that the first people that engage with this story probably didn't do it with their eyes, but with their ears. And so for the next few moments, I want you just to receive these first 12 verses as I read them out loud to you. Okay. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete Integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, was there. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered him, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has every good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. 
but reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. All right. You may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. There are a cast of characters um, that I want to go over with you as we lay the groundwork for the rest of the book of Job. And the first one, obviously, is Job himself. There's a few things that the author wants us to be aware of about this person, Job, and these aren't mysterious. They are just in the text for us to see. We don't have to parse out details here. And there are details that are not here. We don't know exactly where Uz is. We have a guess that it's probably further east than Judah or Israel. Um, We don't know exactly when this is, although we can guess that it might be around the time of Abraham or maybe even later during the time of, uh, or written during the time of the post-exile. We don't know time stamps and historical markers. Those are not the details that the author really wants us to know, but he does want us to know the kind of man that Job is. And so what do we learn about Job? We learn that Job is incredibly blessed, that he is wealthy and fruitful. In fact, he's probably the most affluent person in the region in terms of wealth and influence. Everybody likely knows who Job is. Is. But there's something else that the author wants us to know. The author wants us to know that, that Job is blameless. He is a man of incredible integrity. Not, not perfect. We can get thrown off by that word blameless thinking. Uh, the author's saying that this guy's without sin. He's completely righteous. That's not the connotation here. But the connotation is, is that this is a man who's seeking after God. Uh, that he wants his life to align with the the heart of God, that, that he loves God, that he fears God. In fact, God's gonna go out of his way to really praise Job in verse eight. What does God say about Job in verse eight? He said, he is the finest man in all the earth. Those are huge words. That's a major compliment coming from the Lord. He's the finest man. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from Evil. This is a person that has a real respect and a real fear for the Lord. You know, we can think of it kind of this way. You know, for those of you who have kiddos in your home, um, our kids aren't perfect. Our kids aren't perfect. You know, they make mistakes, they sin, and they do these things, but for the most part, our kids aren't set against us, right? Their hearts aren't set against us. No, they love us. They, they have a respect for us. And their sin is not definitive about their love and the respect they have for us. In the same way, yeah, Job wasn't perfect. He, he messed up. His heart wasn't always in the right place. And he didn't always do the right things, but he longed to walk with God. He had a proper respect and fear for God. God was on his mind. In fact, the story of Job wants us to know just, just how intentional was Job about seeking after the Lord. Uh, He was so sensitive to the things of God that he even prayed and interceded on behalf of his children when he thought they might have sinned against God. That's that's what's going on here in 
these verses four through five, the author describes for us that the sons and daughters get together and party. And Job, not knowing what has gone on to those parties and in the case that they might have cursed God even in drunkenness or whatever, he doesn't know, but he says, listen, uh, his heart is so seeking God. He has such the proper fear and respect for the Lord that he even goes before the Lord and says, forgive them for the things they might have done. There's nothing passive about, about Job's goodness and blamelessness here. All of us know that there are good people in the world who don't know Jesus. They people of integrity, they don't lie, they're honest, but that's not the kind of person that the author is describing here. He's saying this is a person of integrity and it's not passive. He is a person of integrity because he has a right fear for God and his heart is seeking the Lord. That's the kind of blameless man that Job is. He isn't passive, but he goes out of his way to please God. And then we have... Next, uh, we have God as a major player in this story in these first 12 verses. In verse six, it begins like this. One day, the members of the heavenly court, your translation might read, and the sons of God came before him and Satan was among them. And so we have this picture of angels, heavenly creatures that were created and designed by the Lord and Satan that is literally translated the accuser or the adversary is one of them, but they all come before the Lord. And God says in verse seven, where have you come from to Satan? And Satan answers the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. In verse eight, the Lord says, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And so we have this picture of God in heaven before all of these creatures. Usually when we read this text in particular in Job, there's a whole host of a lot of other questions when we think about God and his relationship with Satan, right? Especially with, with what's about to happen, for those of you who've read ahead or know what's coming. We wanna stop here and try to understand what is the dynamic between God and the adversary? Uh, what is the nature and origin of evil? Let me just say really quickly that the book of Job was never intended to answer those kind of questions, uh, the book of Job was never intended to say, this is, I'm gonna tell you exactly what the nature and origin of evil is like. I'm gonna tell you exactly what the dynamic is of the relationship between God and Satan. We get a glimpse of it here, but it's not gonna answer all of those questions for us. There's still a lot about that relationship that has left a mystery to us, and that's perfectly okay. But there is something that the writer of Job wants us to understand very clearly. Satan will ask God's permission to accuse and tempt Job to abandon God, right? He's going to ask him to do that. But the key thing that the author wants us to know in this text that everything begins and ends with God. 
Um, Job wants us to know that in this scene before all of his angels, as, as he's interacting with the adversary and as he points out this servant Job, have you noticed my servant Job? And, and as Satan says, yeah, I've noticed Job and we know he's about to accuse Job. In all of that, the author wants us to know that everything ends and begins with God. Uh, in other words, literally, um, God holds the whole earth world in his hands. In fact, we would even go several steps further that God holds all of space and time in his hands, that God governs all things. That's what the author wants us to understand, that God governs all things. And Satan has to come and ask he who governs all things for permission to act, right? And so literally, we, we say he's got the whole world in his hands. That's one of the things that the author of Job wants us to know, that he's the alpha and the omega in every sense of the word, in every sense of the word, that God is sovereign and providential in his governing of all things in our lives. Now, that begs a whole host of other questions, which Job is gonna tackle in his own journey, and we'll see those questions coming. But there's another player, right? And we've already said that player, we have the accuser, or Satan. Satan is always an accuser. That's the role that he has. He will do anything to keep you from walking with God. Um, Satan is always an accuser who will do anything to keep you from walking uh, with God. The apostle Peter described him as a roaring lion, right? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, watch out. Uh, he is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Um, in fact, Jesus reports um, he reports that Satan asked if he could sift the apostles like wheat in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And Jesus is engaging with Peter and he says, can I tell you that Satan asked to sift you like wheat? Satan is always an accuser. He is always the adversary. He's always the sifter of our faith. And what does he accuse Satan of? Or what does he accuse Job of? We have that in verses six and seven and nine. Six through seven and nine. Uh, let me just read verse nine. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God, right? God has said, listen, Job is a man of a complete integrity. He's the finest in all the earth. He fears me. And Satan's response is, yes, but Job has every good reason to fear you. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. That's the accusation. What does Satan accuse Job of? Satan is accusing Job of having small and shallow faith. He's accusing Satan of, accusing Job of 
putting his faith in God just because God has blessed him and protected him. And the, the wager or the accusation goes even further. And Job says, the moment, the moment you start taking these things out of his life, all the blessings and all of the protection, I can guarantee that Job will curse you to your face. That's what Satan, the accuser, does in Job. Job has small faith. Job is faithful because everything has just worked out in his life because you've protected him, because you've blessed him. Take that away and he will curse you to your face. And so we have these three players. We have Job. Job who really lived to please God. Um, We have God who governs all things that everything begins and ends with God. And then we have the accuser who accuses Job of having small faith and Satan is always the accuser. And that's the setup for the story that we're going to encounter for the rest of the 13 weeks. What are we to do with that? What are we to do with that? What would the author want us to do with just these first 12 verses? I imagine there's a few questions that we likely would have um, if we were just to leave things right here, right? If this is all you heard and you knew you were gonna get a part two tomorrow, um, likely you would have these kind of questions. What, what trouble will Satan bring Job? What kind of accusations and temptations will Satan throw Job's way? You'll probably wonder, will his faith stand? Uh, will Job, Job's faith stand with everything he's about to face? More than anything else in this story, more than any of the questions that we have, what we've heard so far, we know that we're about to enter into an intimate way Job's wrestling in his own faith. We get to have a front row seat to how Job responds to those accusation, that temptation, that suffering. And I'm almost guaranteed that we will sympathize with him, uh, that that we will empathize with Job all along the way. I I imagine that as we begin to walk through this poetry together, that we're going to ache for Job. Um, We're going to sympathize with everything that he's facing and all the hardships that are coming his way, which are intense. Uh, We're going to have a lot of empathy for Job because there are many of us in in this room who have tasted suffering, maybe not to the same degree, but we know what it means to hurt. I imagine we'll sympathize and empathize with him all along the way. But I think something else is going on here in this book of Job, even in these first 12 verses that I want us to be sure to hold on to. And all of those questions are true and and the sympathy and empathy that we have will be good for us to have as we interact with Job. But I think there's something else. Perhaps the book of Job is God giving us permission to wrestle with our own faith. Perhaps as we read about Satan's coming accusations and temptations and suffering he's gonna bring Job's 
way and uh, Job wrestling with those things that are about to happen to him. Perhaps it is God giving us permission to wrestle in our own life, in our own hurts, in our own struggles, in our own journey of faith. God doesn't tell us in the midst of the hard things of life just to get over it. God doesn't tell us just to deal with it. God doesn't say just to keep it to yourself. Um, God doesn't say, oh, just stop crying about stuff. Just, you know, pull up your bootstraps and get after it. Um, we, don't, we don't really have that uh, in the scriptures. But what we do have is the book of Job. What we do have is the book of Job. And in the book of Job, we're reminded and you will be reminded that God doesn't abandon us when things get dicey in our life, even though he can feel silent for a season. That God's not ashamed of us when we face doubts and struggles and we have questions about faith and questions about God. God doesn't tell us, how dare you ask those kind of questions? How dare you feel those kind of things? You shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't have questions. You shouldn't have doubts. No, the book of Job is a reminder for us that God gives us permission in real life with real hurts and real suffering that it's okay to process those things and wrestle with those things in our faith. That God's shoulders are big enough for us to lob the heaviest, weightiest, most difficult questions that we can at God. That God can handle our anger and our frustration. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, um, the writer of Hebrews says this about Jesus. He says, you know what? We, we have the kind of high priest now in Jesus that can sympathize with our weaknesses because he himself has been tempted and accused by everything and yet never sinned. I, I think that's part of the message in Job for us is that we have a God who sympathizes with us he doesn't keep us at a distance and say you should never feel these kind of things and it doesn't matter what you go through, you should just deal with it. No, we have a savior who sympathizes with our weaknesses. And that's why it's captured for us in poetry because poetry is able to capture those things better than anything else, that, that raw emotion that we experience when we face those kind of things in our life. And I think that's something that we need to hold on to as we walk through Job together. That life is hard. Suffering is real. And how we respond to suffering is real. And that God says, I understand. I'm not going anywhere. And it's okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this story that we have in Job of this real man who experienced incredible suffering. Um, 
Lord, I, I pray that you would come alongside us in our own journey of faith. Uh, Lord, that you would teach us how to wrestle well and how to respond well in the midst of the hardships of life. Lord, most of all, we want to exalt your son Jesus in our life who knew what it meant, what it means to suffer more than any of us. And we're grateful, Lord, that he sympathizes with us in our weakness. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.